Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Crowcast Weekend Wrap, the second of our pre-season series this year so far, and uh, still coming to grips with this uh, wonderful new technology that we're using. So uh, please bear with us. We don't have Macker up on the screen tonight because of that very reason, but uh, we'll still hear his dulcet tones. How are you, Macker? Not bad now. You've hidden me in the toilet, mate. Well... You know, I mean, I don't want to make a big fuss of it, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, just uh, I, I'm out to lunch today and I didn't have a lot of time and uh, I tried to fix it and I ran out of time. So you're just going to have to be in the ether tonight. It's just a, just a, a voice from, from above. But that's all right. I'm sure you'll have plenty to say. And... Um, We've got a little bit to cover, but before we do, of course, thank you to everyone who's joined us on YouTube and Discord and um, Facebook and Twitter. <laughs> we had a fantastic, uh, we had a fantastic um, uh, opening, uh, see, open opening episode to the season. Maker, I'll get my words out in a minute. Um, the most we've ever had. Uh, in terms of uh, listenership and viewership. So I must say a big thank you to everyone who's supporting the Crowcast this year. Don't forget to tell your mates um, the production will get better. <laughs> but hopefully the content will override any sort of visual glitches that you might see. Um, so, of course, uh, we didn't do any of this last week, Mac, but uh, don't forget we are live and interactive, and that's one of the big things about our show. So... If you uh, are on the Discord uh, live studio audience and you wish to have something to say, then uh, we might even let you say something today. <laughs> what do you reckon, Macca? Yeah. Well, you know, they've got something intelligent to say and there's some pretty intelligent blokes out there, so I would expect something from them. Why, why do you have to put that caveat on it? Like, seriously? Like that's well, you, want, you, you want somebody that <laughs> Mate, we want at least to be half intelligent. Well, I guess so. I guess so. Um, look, um, the only other announcement I have to make is that um, at the moment we're going to stop the live audio stream. Uh, the live audio stream was pretty dodgy last week and I have a feeling it was because of all the stuff that I'm running on the computer to get this going, Mac. So we will be... Uh, um, my God... We will be uh, uploading uh, the audio as a podcast, uh, as usual. Um, but, um, yeah, we won't be running a live audio stream um, for the foreseeable future, at least until I can get that sorted out. There's probably a few settings that I can mess around with to uh, get that sounding a bit better because it was a bit scratchy last week and I had to, had to fiddle around with it. Um, I think that's all the announcements, Mac. Okay. Uh, I did. I did also take the feedback from people who said the flag behind me was distracting, uh, so you won't have to put up with the flag tonight. Uh, yes, and I am looking a bit washed out because I'm still messing around with colour settings and whatnot. So uh, <laughs> we're getting there. We're getting there, Macca. It all, like 
next week because I've, I've prototyped next week's show and uh, you'll all be shocked and amazed. So just put up with it this week. <laughs> Look, it wouldn't be the show without a technical problem, mate. Well, I think that's our signature, isn't it, Mac? It is. It's what makes us unique. Exactly, exactly. Apart from our, you know, our amazing insight. Uh, speaking of insight, mate, we had a pretty good win against uh, the Weagles uh, on the weekend. Um, you know, a lot of people downplaying it. And yes, the West Coast uh, uh, have been an average side, but they put out their best 22. They've got a decent defence, you know, with Barris and um, uh, Gov- McGovern there. And, uh, you know, they've got some... Strong midfielders with uh, Yeo and um, uh, Gaff and a few others. So, I mean, it's not as if they're a terrible team. No, and I'll tell you what, young Harley Reid, I do like the look of him, mate. I thought uh, he he's a, a boy man. He, you know, he, he loves the physicality side of it. Yeah. He's going yep. to be something special. Certainly um, made an effort to ensure that uh, people realised that he wasn't going to be intimidated. Mm. Um, I loved it. And they will uh, benefit from him. And I, th- I think he's, uh, you know, there's been massive raps on the kid and their comparisons to Judd and all the rest of it. And, I th- you know, that's obviously premature. But I think he's going to be a very solid player for them. I really do. I think he's going to be, um, he's going to slot into that midfield nicely. Um, a little bit of Horn Francis about him, but I reckon a little bit more polished than Horn Francis, Mac. Well, when you said the Horn Francis, I was going to say exactly that, that he has some of the traits of Horn Francis, but he's got more polish, definitely more mm. polish. Yeah, so and, it'll be and, interesting and to see few, how he develops. And a few more tricks as well, I reckon. Oh, look, maybe let's, let's not, let's not um, downplay Jason's future because uh, he, he's a gun. Um, but uh, certainly Harley Reid has uh, got it all before him. So, mate, um, yeah, so it was about a, what, about an eight-goal win in the end um, and some really good signs uh, from a couple of players who were probably battling for a spot and none more so than uh, uh, young Sam Berry, who I was so pleased to see have a good, solid game this week. Have not seen him play as well as that ever. Uh, oh, no, never. That was. Oh, I have. He's had some games like that before, but no, it's been not. a while. And, well, I, you know, I. But I, I just thought his game was pretty complete, and uh, I really, I really did like his game. He, he was. He had uh, twenty-two disposals, and he had seven tackles, and he's he's on the ground though about seventy-two percent of the game. But I did like the way that he, his physicality was was excellent, and I and I reckon he's picked up a yard in pace, mate. Uh, I don't know about pace. He's always been very... He's had good burst speed, Mac. He looks to have slimmed down a little bit. He, he's very trim uh, and lean. And he's got that yeah. core core strength that um, really sets him apart. Um, and uh, uh, like he has got a good first five steps. And, and I think sometimes um, just the fact that he can burst through those tackles and, and uh, you know, uh, get clear sort of gives the impression of pace. Um, but he's always he's always been like that. Well, you know, it's definitely uh, he had a, a pretty lean year last year, and uh, if you're looking at who was playing what last year compared to how they played this week, uh, you know, his was the largest leap in my opinion. You oh, know, most definitely, 
Yeah. And, and it, was, it was pleasing to see because it, he does, does, it does create a little bit of confusion too because we've got a lot of people now vying for the mid-spots. And um, it's a question of how we balance it and whether, you know, at times we will have it probably all physical. At times we'll have people that are runners in there as well. You know, there's going to be a lot of competition to actually get in there. Well, there were at various stages um, a combination of Laird, Crouch and Berry as our starting mids, uh, Mac, and uh, yep. they were winning clearances um, with that um, setup. Um, they were. You know, and you, you talk about Sam's outside pace, um, you know, and his, and his ability to, to, to burst through and break tackles and... I, you know, maybe yes, he's a he's a ball getter and he's an inside player and all the rest of it. But um, maybe we get a bit hung up on that sort of stuff sometimes. Maybe it's just a matter of having your best three players in. Well, it was interesting too because uh, you mentioned that those three players and all the, all those three players got the ball a hell of a lot. And uh, I thought uh, Crouch, big big tick. I thought his usage of the ball was far far better than. Uh, he was doing it some at stages and in the past. He's really set his game in that area. Well, Maka, um, I for mine, he was our best player, to be honest. I know Riley O'Brien got a stack of it, but for mine, Matty Crouch was our best player. And that's the best I've seen him play since his All-Australian year in 2017. And yeah. if that's what we're going to get from Matt uh, day in, day or week in, week out, then I'm quite happy to have him in because at his best... And kicking the ball forward, and like he's kicking the ball now with some length. Obviously, obviously, his groins have freed up. Whatever Burgess has been doing, and you know, I want to talk about Burgess in a minute. But whatever Burgess has done since taking over at the Crows and managing Crouch's um, body and his fitness, uh, it's worked. He looks so much freer across the ground, and he's kicking the ball long. And uh, Matt Crouch in that sort of form. With the amount of ball that he gets, is is a uh, it's almost like a new recruit because he was down and out eighteen months ago. Yep, and and not only just his kicking, some of his handballs in when he was being pressured in tight, the they just weren't wild handballs to nobody. They were wild handballs to a teammate in the clear, and and that's very hard to do when you're being hammered physically yourself. Absolutely, um, you know, um, his. Uh, his only the only question that I will continue to have with Matty is his defensive work, and whether he gets found out on the rebound. Um, we tend to try and offset that uh, with our defensive structures. Um, so, but look, if he's going to get the ball thirty times and use it effectively, you know, two thirds of that uh, those disposals, then um, and you know how I feel about Matt Crouch. Um, Mac, I'm I'm a harsh critic of his, but uh, in this sort of form, I'll pick him every day of the week. Yeah, yeah, uh, it's an interesting thing because, uh, yeah, I I had him as very close to our best, if not our best, and um, and if we can do that all year, he'll be very very handy because um, when you've got a bloke like Rankin in there and you've got him on the outside that you can just feed it to, you know, it makes a massive difference. Oh, well, I was going to mention Rankin because I was very pleased to see that he was at the first centre bounce. Um, I think that signals the club's intention to use him um, a, a fair amount of time through the midfield. 
he is an absolute credit to himself, Macca. I'll continue to say this. He has exceeded my expectations by such a long way and I think the expectations of many because I don't think there's many people around that would have expected us to get this sort of output from Isaac Rankin. Yeah, well, you're spot on, Fiend, because I'm probably one of them. Um, I thought we were overpaying when we uh, gave pick five for him. Uh, when I look at it now, but if, if he's going to play like that this whole year, I mean, what he gave us last year was very good, but if he... If he can, I thought he was at a different level again uh, this week. And uh, if we're going to get that out of him, well, he's, he's like a pick one, isn't it? Not rather than oh, pick five. Look, you know, and you've got to take hats off to the recruiting staff. You know, no one probably rated Jordan Dawson as highly as we did. Um, I, maybe, I did. Maybe no, the Swan. Yeah, but I mean, in the general football public. I don't think many people expected Geordie to uh, take the next step the way he has and become a club captain and a, uh, a leader by example and, um, you know, just uh, become a midfield powerhouse like he has. And similarly with Rankin, um, you know, probably most people expected him to be an Eddie Betts replacement. He is so much more than an Eddie Betts replacement. Um a, I don't think you'll ever replace Eddie Betts because he was amazing. But in terms of his output around the ground and his ability to run through the midfield and cause real damage, um, I don't think there were many people that expected that. No. Uh, well, you know, I'm with you. You really do have to give uh, our recruitment team credit for that because we do, we do over the years, we've given them a real bashing, um, and quite rightly at times. But in the last, say, three years... We have to say they've been spot on, and um, again, even this year that they they could there's guys they probably could have put uh, picked up and traded for, but they would have been medium type players, and they yeah. instead they up they traded up to get a guy who in the long run should be a very very good player for us. So yeah, yeah I think they've really lifted their game. Yep, yeah. um, it's right in the in the chat. Who's actually the Arab child, and I wish he'd just change his name because it really frustrates me. <laughs> he compares him to Cyril Rioli. I'm I'm looking at a Shy Bolton. I reckon Rankin is our Shy Bolton. To be honest with you, good comparison. I think it's a better comparison. Um, all right. Uh, who else have we got? I thought. Um, I thought our defence looked a bit better today. I was great. It was great to see Geordie Butts back. Um. I know a lot of people have got knocks on Jordan Butts, but I think we're better structured with him in the side. Um, and I still think he's our fullback. Uh, I know we've got uh, the Irishman and uh, a couple of others. I'd prefer to see them playing second and third tall roles. Um, and I thought Geordie, for his first hit out back, considering he's had so little football over the over the last you know few months, uh, I thought it was pretty good. Yeah, I have to agree with you. Um, he's always been one that um, I have my heart in my mouth at times when he's going near the ball or when the ball's going near him. But I have to say that every time I had that fear, I, he I thought he, play, he ended up playing pretty well. I mean, he uh, he took some very good saving marks. He uh, sport at times, and overall, yeah, he got. A good solid path for his game, in my opinion. It was really good to have him back. So another one that's going to shock you, Macca, 
if Riley O'Brien continues to play like this, he will be the All-Australian Ruckman this year. Honestly, Fiend, I don't know what they'd put the retro rocket up his bum or something. I've never seen him move over the ground like that at all, ever. And The, I mean, the problem is... Sorry, go on. Well, he's always been an unco, you know, and... Uh, he, he wasn't just going for, for the, the taps and he's, got, he's worked out very well what the, what the new rules are. He allowed to put a hand on the chest as long as you're going for the ball um, yeah. and, and did, it, did extremely well because he has yeah. got a, a good physical mass. But some of his pace around the ground getting the ball was incredible. I just couldn't believe what I was seeing at times. He, um, apologies to the people watching that I just flicked around the cameras there. Um, he's... Uh, his proactive work is what struck me, Macca. Um, you know, I think he's always going to have his limitations as a ruckman, and I've always said with Riley that his one wood is his work around the ground. Um, and it's still like not taking a huge amount of marks, but if he can, if he can get some ground ball into his game and become a link person, um, you know, in our transition. Uh, he, I, he will. He will. And if he has a season like like he's played in the preseason, um, then hats off to him. He's taken his game to another level. Well, I, I, I wonder whether he can sustain it against really good opposition. Because let's face it, the um, the Eagles didn't really have a great ruckman to put up against him. Um, but we've seen it two weeks in a row now, and um, you know I hope he can sustain it because. If he can sustain it, uh, he will certainly be in the top three ruck in the competition. Well, he absolutely monstered Williams, and Williams is uh, only, you know, a guy on the way up, but he's a long way from being where he should be. Um, so in terms of that, he will, as you say, he'll meet ruckmen who are a lot more skillful and a lot better than that. But what what really impressed me apart from the ruck work was what he did around the ground, and he's got more possessions than I, than I remember getting for a damn long time. And, and they were all hurt. And some of those he chased damn hard for as well. I, I, I just thought his involvement in the play in general was excellent. Absolutely excellent. Yeah. He did yeah. actually, he, and you, I don't know whether you know that, he actually did eight clearance centre clearances himself. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, when you combine that with Riley Thilthorpe chopping out, who's also a, a beast below his knees, um, it all it becomes a, a pretty potent sort of a one-two punch in terms of our centre ruckman. Um, you know, I dare say we might see O'Brien play a few cameos up forward, um, depending on the situation. Uh, we've got Burgess in the wings if we want to stretch a team. Um, so, but you know, what we need is Riley's around the ground output, and uh, if he can sustain his pre-season form then that's exactly what he's going to give us and th and I won't have any complaints with him if, if that's what we get every week yeah look and he's uniquely fit I've never seen him ever anything like that and uh, his shape even his shape is different well let's talk about that because I've noticed over the pre-season the shape of a few of our players changed um Sanbury we've already talked about you just mentioned Riley O'Brien um mm -hmm. Texas is fit as I've ever seen him. Um, yes. Even Darcy Fogarty has trimmed down. Um, I think, what are we, third year into Burgess's program? Yep. Second, second pre-season, second full pre-season for Burgess. And I think 
we are going to see the the benefits of a world-class fitness coordinator um because our our boys just look a bit harder and they look a bit leaner this year if you ask me well they i reckon they do they, they're not some not some of them are not as bulky as they used to be but they're they, but they're hardened in the sense of uh, physically hardened um without being big big uh, overloaded muscle beasts though athletically hard yeah that yeah and and um again arab child makes a good comment in the chat uh because i agree they've got that real melbourne hardened feel about them it's it's not a a big bruising muscly sort of thing it's just it's just hard bodies um mm. you know you saw the way berry was able to to uh to initiate that bump before he kicked his first goal in, in the forward lines that that's not only strength, but also a bloke who's very confident in mm. his strength, uh, uh, confident in uh, uh, what he's able to do. So I, that's going to be a real plus for us. And uh, obviously, uh, they'll have plenty of endurance. And look, we're not the only team that has fantastic fitness staff. But I think Burgess has been able to take our squad up to an elite fitness standard. You won't. I don't think fitness will be an issue for our team i think we'll be able to run out games i think we won't get pushed off the ball our younger players have got another year into them uh blokes like peddler and and barry etc rochelle have got another year into them i think josh rochelle hopefully will benefit from uh darren burgess's work um because as we spoke about last week you know he was starting off the back foot um coming through juniors during COVID. so um you know that's that's a key ingredient to us starting to contend for for finals, Mac. Yep, Shelley had a few, uh, few runs uh, through the middle as well. He had three clearances himself, uh, Rochelle. Yeah. So, um, and uh, he kicked three goals up forward. He's got a, he and Rankin. They do have a very good understanding between those two. Well, I felt like I think it was Jordan Lewis made a very good point on the commentary during the game, uh, talking about the relationships between the players and the and the chemistry between the players. And you know, a couple of times they passed off, and they probably didn't need to. Um, but he said, you know, it's those little things that that build that connection and build that chemistry amongst the group. Mm. And um, you know, two players uh, connecting up in Rochelle and Rankin, you could do a lot worse, couldn't you? So. <laughs> a, a very nice pair indeed and so uh, not to mention we've also got Saligo in the wings as well who came in the second half and uh, he looked and somebody said in the chat I think I uh, can't remember can't quite get that name uh, but they uh, yeah when he came on I think he had about 14 touches or something in the second half when he yeah. came on yeah and he, he looked good he looked good so we've, our options are really good yep yeah, um so a couple of uh, other shout-outs in defence. I thought uh, Mike Lanny uh, looked a lot better this week. Um, didn't look as hesitant. I felt he looked more assured and, and back to the lad that we know. He'll certainly benefit from uh, a season under his belt. Uh, obviously, uh, the danger will be the second-year blues that so many of these kids get, but um, it was a good game by him, I thought. Excellent game. I thought he, he was really good. He would have been in my best players, actually. I thought he's probably one, probably the best player in the back line, I thought. Uh, yep. Yeah. Um, Chase Jones still a little quiet, I thought. Um, 
kind of struggle to get into the game a bit, Matt? He did. Uh, um, I remember, I think it was about, maybe it was the third quarter, I was thinking, where's Jones? I can't, I can't remember seeing him a lot. And then all of a sudden he started getting a couple of kicks. Now, I don't know what his time on the ground was, but um, uh, he didn't get a massive amount of uh, possessions. And, no. Uh, but, uh, look, he's overall, he's... he's He's, you know, he played very well last year, towards the end of last year, and he and he did play well the previous weeks. I've got no problems with him. He'll be okay. Yeah. Um, uh, Mitch Hinge is an interesting one. Obviously, uh, he copped some injuries to the back end of last season, and he's come back and, uh, you know, he's a he's a funny one, Mitch, because he will always go for his kicks, right? He'll always... Um, you know he'll never bug out and take the the sideways chip, the safe one. Um, but it resulted in a lot of turnovers uh, by foot on the weekend. Uh, I felt that he looked a little bit. I felt like he looked a bit more on pace this this week in terms of being in the game. Um, but a lot of people wringing their hands about, oh, you know, hinge, hinge, hinge. He'll be fine. I've got so much time for him, and uh, I reckon, you know. Uh, shaking the rust out, um, he, he'll be better for it. He's, it's amazing because you know he is normally a very very good kick, but he he just had a day where he he did struggle to hit targets. Well, it was a bit. I mean, it was a bit all over the shop last week as well. Um, I mean, he's just such a bull off half back, and and when he's on socking, that left foot is is laser. Um, yep. So. You know, I, I'm willing to give him the benefit. He's got another couple of weeks to uh, uh, on the track, and um, you know, I just I'm certainly not worried about him at this stage. In fact, I was quite happy to see him get a little bit more of the ball and be a little bit more proactive. Um, up forward, uh, Tex obviously did enough, did all he had to do. Um, our small forwards we've talked about. Uh, Still thought looked alright up forward, Mac. Dropped a couple early that he should have taken. Um, I thought there's probably about maybe three that in the first couple of quarters that he, that he probably should have held. Uh, but then he started to uh, get them, started to hold them, and uh, once he got started to hold them, unfortunately, of course, he jarred his knee and and came off. And uh, yeah, so before we talk about his knee. Um, because it's actually a strained meniscus, um, apparently. Torn, a torn, torn one, meniscus. Yeah. Yeah. So that might be a few weeks, I think. I've, um, yeah, I, I've had that torn meniscus, and um, it's it's not doesn't take them long to fix it up. They just you know take a couple of holes and get in your knee and just go in there and, and uh, if it like if it's badly torn, got a funny shape about a cut, they'll nick just nick. nick, uh, nick nick off whatever needs to be taken off that's not the hard part it's probably about a three to four week recovery after that um yeah so he could probably miss i think anything up to three games i think yeah yeah maybe maybe four because uh, he's got some knee problems anyway um i did see him a couple of times again Macca, um run under the ball i don't know whether you were paying attention I did um, see. I can remember. I can remember one in particular. Which didn't, yeah, didn't, I think Barris was on him at the time. Yes, that, that one didn't look good. Um, 
But I, I don't. I wouldn't say he did it overall for the day. I think that one in particular stood out. But I think uh, I can't think of any other one that really stood out like that. I think they're the, they're the ones. I think I think when he's coming up to the ball and he's and the ball's maybe not right out in front of him and he's got a proper bit. They're the ones where he's not happy with what might be coming from behind him, in my opinion. Uh, when it, when he's uh, moving laterally or when the ball's at right out nicely out in front or when he's kind of got got a good position and a good run and jump at the ball, he's fine. Uh, but when he's when his back's exposed and he's got to sort of stop and prop a little bit because the ball might be a little bit coming a little bit higher than what he'd like. They're the ones he doesn't like. He tends to keep running and go up with the one hand or or just be out of position. Yeah, I don't think anybody loves a hospital ball, uh, but um... I'm not talking about hospital balls, Mackie. You know what it's like. You're leading up to, you're coming up to a ball, and it just holds up in the breeze, or or it's a little bit higher than you'd like. And instead of being able to run full pace onto it, you have to stop and set yourself, and then and then jump. They're the ones that he struggles with, in my opinion. Yeah, uh, look, he's still doing his trade, and I think uh, he was a bit uh, hit and miss on the weekend. And there were a couple of good good ones he took as well. Um, so I think he took seven marks of the game, something like that. Um, so he wasn't totally hopeless, but there were a couple where didn't say uh, it was he was hopeless, did... Macca. Didn't say it was no, hopeless. No, but there were a couple there that he should have taken and didn't, but. It was a very windy day too, Flame, which also does make it harder to hide the ball. Litany of excuses for what you know as well as I do is a trait of a player who is worried about what's coming behind him, Macca. Now, come on. Toughen <laughs> I'm up. Not, I'm not saying that, that there was one real bad one that was, it really did stand out. <laughs> I agree with that. Yeah. I haven't... But, it, but it, I'm not saying that that's a standard part of his game. That's what I'm saying. I, there are occasions when he does it, but it's not, I wouldn't say that it's standard. I think it's standard in those circumstances. But anyway, let's not labour the point. I, I thought he did all right. Hopefully he uh, doesn't have too much trouble getting back on the part. But it is a bit of a shame because uh, you would have liked to have um, seen him uh, hit the ground running uh, in, um, you know, in round one. So... Uh, opens up a few opportunities, um, none more so than for Mr. Fogarty, who I haven't been impressed with this off-season, Mac. Well, I thought he played a stinker on the weekend, to be honest. You know, a, a real stinker. I mean, he, uh, when you get 10 possessions, something like that, but they were nothing possessions. Um, that's not how Fogarty was playing last year. And uh, I, he just he needs more involvement. And he, he just... I don't think he worked hard enough. That's my honest impression. That, that you know, but when you're a forward, you have to work, work. Sometimes you really do have to work very hard to get yourself into the game. And he just, and like Tex, it's very smart. He's good at it and does it. And even when he's pretty well covered by a play, you can always count on Tex. He'll do something. But uh, Fogarty, unfortunately, um, I don't know. If he's got that same mental toughness as that Walker's got. The Walker knows if he keeps going, he'll eventually do something good. Fog at times looks like he's not even really trying 100%. And I thought he just had... He looked lazy, put it that way. I'm a bit concerned, Mac. Um, we've been saying the same things about Darcy now for a number of seasons. And he's he 
he gives you a couple of games, you think, oh, he's finally clicked. And he had a little stretch last year where he thought, oh, he's finally clicked. Um, and then he reverts back to that loper. Um, again, lacks that assertive edge on the field, if you ask me. Um, and, you know, uh, it, it it exposes our forward line when we've got someone like Riley Thilthorpe go down because um, Darcy really has to step up. I'm starting to wonder, Mac, <clears throat> what what is the role that, that the club are trying to get Darcy to play? Is he a high lead-up forward? Is he a come-from-the-square type? Um, you know, what is he? Because him and Tex are so similar in the way that they play. You would imagine that Tex is taking all the prime spots just because he's Tex. Maybe well, just Darcy just can't fit into that forward line with Tex there. I mean, we've said it before. Well, it's a very fair comment too because Tex is such quality and has been quality for such a long time. It would be a natural reaction by the players to look for Tex. And Tex is smart too. He's, he's definitely smarter than Fogg. So he's more likely to be in the better position as well. So uh, you're, you're, I think it's a very valid point you made. So, But, but that means that Fogg's just got to work a little bit harder and think about his game a little bit harder as well. What can I do to, you know, to, be, to make... To, present myself so that I am the one that they're going to kick the ball to. Yeah, I think Jad on the chat makes a really good point. You know, he says that uh, Fogg gets annoyed when uh, things aren't going his way and then he drops his bundle. Um, I think there is a bit of that. But look, to me that's coaching. You've got a certain amount of players up forward and they've all got to work cohesively and work together. And I, to me that's coaching. And I... You know, I really want to look for for Tex to get around Darcy, and of course, you don't know what goes on at training and all the rest of it. But I don't. I want to. I want to see Tex and Darcy work in tandem because the two of them together, as a one-two punch with very similar games, and you know, being able to have one running up and one sitting back, and and vice versa, and and providing different looks, it could be a a, a major um, uh, benefit for us up forward. They just don't seem to be working cohesively at the moment, in my opinion. Yeah, look, it's early days, um, and uh, but I have to agree with you. You're right so far. With the two games we've played so far, uh, I have to agree that is the case. I just hope that um, when the real games start, that Fog gets his engine going and that he really, you know, just tries a lot harder and works out where to be. And He's probably going to have to because of the fact that we're not going to have Phil Thorpe there. I don't know who's going to be there. We'll discuss that later. But, um, you know, it's not going to be the same structure as before. So he'll have the opportunity, I think. Mm. So a couple of other uh, fringe players. Uh, Lockie Scholl continue to be Lockie Scholl. And, and, you know, I mean, he showed good form last preseason as well and got the agate a bit. Um, uh you know, I don't want to get too much into our first 22, but uh, it's not a lot wrong, Lockie Scholl. Oh, no, he's got a, he's got a wing sewn up. Um, he His ball getting is excellent. He, he, he's really good at getting the ball. He's, as we know, he, he's not a uh, really physical player, but, uh, but yeah, somebody said in the, in the chat he was the cleanest by foot on Saturday. I wouldn't argue with that. He, he's, his disposal is excellent. Yeah, no, I agree with that. 
Um, Lockie Murphy, uh, didn't see a lot of him, Mac. Um, I thought, you know, he was useful. He, just, he played a Murphy-type game, and I'll tell you what, it certainly doesn't lack courage for the guy guy his size. Um, you know, he's. I know he's a a player that sort of divides opinion. Some don't. Some people don't like him in the sense they don't think he's worth being in the side. Others say he, he's got good value. So, I think the club like him though. In terms of, they think he does add add value. He, I can say that one thing for certain. He doesn't squib it even for his size. He goes in hard, really hard for the ball, and can he can earn a hard ball? So, yeah. or, or prevent the ball from leaving the area. So. Um, I think he's a starter, but, uh, you know, we'll talk about that later. Yep. Um, Ned McHenry got a bit of a run and got a bit of it. Yeah. Yeah, I I liked his game last week, but I, I thought he was a bit like a giddy goat running around a little bit. Um, well, that's what you get from Neddy. Yeah. He, he just wasn't definitive enough most of the times when he had the ball. It was did a couple of nice things, but... Yeah, he, he's not a killer player, and he's not a player that you you would say is a must-have in the side. I mean, he's he's worth playing if you know if you're down, you got players out uh, of the team, and and you're short. But I don't think he's a starting twenty-two player for me, twenty-three player. Mm. And what do you think of Benny Keys's game? Useful, useful. Um, he's. Mostly up forward, but um, he had a couple of goes. Of, it looked like he was, well, probably wasn't, but he was up on the wing and even, even sometimes a couple of times into the back lines as well. So he did roam around a lot. Um, and I think that's one of the advantages of him as well. I don't think he's one of those forwards that waits for the ball to come to him. I think he goes looking for it quite a bit. So I think he's got a, yeah, I think he's got a bit of a licence, to be honest with you. I'm sure he has because he doesn't play as a flanker. As a flanker. He just sort of no. plays it all over the place. And look, and I think that's a good thing because it disrupts their backline as well. Yeah, that's true. Um, you know, I, he's still a bit untidy at times, but uh, again, another player that give you 110% every week. So um, yep. uh, you can't really knock him. Um, so um, I, I guess uh, in terms of. I, with those players that we just discussed, Murphy and and McHenry, I think the the questions are, who would you have in to replace them, if you wanted to replace them? And I think this is where I have a little bit of concern about our season. So there's not too many players knocking on the door, Macker, at this early stage. No, I don't, I don't think there's anybody in. Uh at that this very stage that's saying, oh, I want that spot. But it, there are two or three players that are in the team who might be sort of demanding that spot as the season develops. So there are... Um, well, you know, if, well, I suppose the midfields, they're gonna, they are going to find it tough because there's so much... Um, and that it's not their fault either because some of them, I think, might do all right if they've got to go. But um, so they're... It's around the ground that we're going to struggle more for a decent replacement. I think that I think the midfielders in the, in the twos are, are not too bad actually, and I think, well, young, I Ed, think... Um, young Edwards he's not ready yet, but he's going to be he'll be he'll be pushing in next year. Do you know I would here's here's my take on Ned McHenry. I would like to see Zach Taylor. T- 
take Ned's spot because uh, I know we've got Zach as a midfielder, um, but uh, I just feel like he's got the aggression of McHenry with a little bit more skill and polish. Yes. Yeah, well, he certainly has got more skill and polish. And is this is now his, what, third season? Yeah, he was recruited in the Saligo year. So this is his third was. season. Um, and, you know, he had a, caught a bit of an injury when he was going really well in the twos last year. I, I'd like to see him them give him a run uh, in, in the McHenry slot. Um, I think we need to see what Zach can bring at AFL level. Uh, he's a small player, um, but, you know, we don't mind them. We've got plenty of them. <laughs> so that's not, that's not a big deal. Um, but uh, I just I just like him a little bit more. He's just got a little bit more footballer about him than Ned, in my opinion. Well, I think the only way you'll ever know that is if you try him. But uh, at the moment, I think you're, you're, right, you're right that, you know, there's, not, there's no spots at the moment for players like him at the moment. You know, you get injuries. Well, there, are. There's the, there are. There's the Ned McHenry spot. Yeah, but I, I don't think he's not in my 23 anyhow. Um, the other one is um, Nankervis. Um, yeah, I, th- I think I think we've got to find a way to get that lad in the in the side. In my opinion, I agree. He he look the games he played at the end of last year were very good. I, I think he showed that he is definitely up to AFL standard, and he's definitely a player. I think the more you play him, the better he'll get as well. Because um, I think he's got ability. I think he's just a natural footballer, you know. He's yep. just an, and he came from a long way back, you know. He wasn't, uh, you know, he, he he came into football late, if I recall, or something. Um, you know, he sort of came out of the wilderness somewhere, and um, he just looks like a natural player. Is his spot the Brody Smith spot, Macca? Well. <laughs> At the moment, he, uh, the way Smith uh, Smith played so far in the preseason, he couldn't, wouldn't have to play too well to take his spot. Um, I, I think long term he'll probably t- get Smith's spot. Um, but uh, as Smith being in the leadership group, he'll, you know, I think he'll be playing there all year. And um, Nan Curvis is going probably going to have to wait until or for injury or opportunity as it comes. Yeah, I, I haven't. I mean, Brody Smith's just been Brody Smith during the preseason, and for these senior players like Tex and Brody and all the rest of it, you know, preseason is a bit of a just get through it sort of thing. Mm. So I'm not, I'm not sort of you know hanging too much on Brody at the moment uh, because he is uh, probably managing himself. Um, but you know, harking back to what we were getting out of him last season, uh, particularly there was a stretch there where. He was just turning the ball over by foot consistently and, um, you know, you never question his effort, but his his, um, his pace seemed to be down a little bit. I, um, you know, he, he's got skills that Nankervis doesn't have, but Nankervis has got skills that I don't think Brody has either. Um, we would lose a little bit in terms of rebound off halfback, I think, with not having Brody there, but by the same token, as we know, a lot of that rebound seems to come back over our head, you know, with Brody's uh, less less than perfect uh, foot skills. Well, you know, the 50, 60 metre bomb, you know, and 
and yeah it's just a 50 50 ball and if they get hold of it they come flying back down the center so it, it yeah he's the danger in playing um smith on the halfback back as we found that is that like he's kicking to just over the center line and uh in between there and the 50s and if you know if it doesn't go to the opposite if it goes to the opposition which it does quite a lot then it rebounds very quickly that's why i think one of the reasons why they stuck him on a wing to, uh last year because of the fact that when he does a 50 60 meter at least it's in our forward 50. well i was going to say to you when was the last and i know structures might change and the game changes and all the rest of it but when was the last time you saw Brody smith stream forward from behind center and kick a, kick one of those long goals it's been a while yeah yeah well you know he's definitely coming towards the end of his career you know we used to get it get that out of seed as well and it, you know um i yeah I, I mean i don't want to write a bloke's career off um but i think Brody needs to probably uh be pretty sharp in the first month or Otherwise, Nan Curvis will be uh, waiting in the wings, I think. And look, to be honest with you, Macker, I don't know whether halfback is necessarily Nan Curvis's spot. Um, you know, I don't know whether he's necessarily got the pace for a wing. Um, but I could all, I could almost see him as a as a high half forward. Yeah, no, I think he can play on wing. Uh, I think he's got reasonably good pace, to, uh, good enough to play on the wing. Um, J Mac. Uh, Makes a comment about Smith that he loves the the handoff goals. Well, J Mac, you're right. He loves getting the ball to have a shot at goal, a handoff. But he usually kicks a bloody point with it. <laughs> That's the only problem. Yeah, I mean, he's always he's always been you know that that sort of player. But we also used to get some running goals from him, similarly to Sloane years ago when Sloane was playing on a wing. We get those you know those big runs down the outside and and nice long fifty meter goal. We haven't had that from Brody for a long time. Uh, yeah, uh, Nankervis is a very interesting player. It'll be interesting to see where they play him in the twos uh, because that might give us some indication of what they might think about him. Um, I think he'll do a more than a, uh, more than adequate job at half-back. I just don't know whether that's the most effective place for him, to be honest. Um, Dowling is another one, Mac, uh, that I think is probably not far away from being given a crack. He played very well last week, Billy Dowling, when he get, when he got his opportunity. Um, he's look, he has got ability, Billy Dowling, and I'm sure he'll get a league game one day. But the problem is, it's again he's competing with a lot of people for the same position, and that's the problem. Um, yeah. But but I, I do like Dowling. I think he has got the ability to play at, at the level, but it was whether he's ever going to get the proper opportunity. I, I think he needs a bit more upper body strength, Mac. Um, certainly to play midfield. Um, he's got Harry Schomburg around him. He's got Zach Taylor around him. He's now got Edwards around him as well. Um, so there's a bit of competition, and and there's a few there's a few blokes jostling for their careers at the moment. And I think you know blokes like Dowling, as good as he is, um, may just find themselves getting shuffled out. Don't forget, we've got a couple of players lined up for next season um you know tyler wells etc um you know it, you can't keep these players in your, on your list forever and no i agree i agree and you know uh you you probably think that dowling and a, and a couple of those like bond etc need to really step up their game similarly to how we saw um 
Chase Jones step up his game in the twos to get selected. I think we need to see Dowling and Zach Taylor and those blokes and, and Bond uh, and Nankervis really start to take the, the SANFL team by the scruff of the neck um, and you know and make their case, I think. Yeah, well, look, you got you got Dan Curtin as well, who eventually will be probably having a, looking for a spot in the midfield as well. Probably. Oh, I don't think it'll be midfield to start off with, Macca. No, no, uh, long term, but uh, he was probably, he would probably start in defence. But I, I'm sure he's going to end up as a midfielder in the long in the long run. And just to make it <sighs> very, very hard. I, I'm not that sure. Well, time will tell. Please. Yeah, well, I mean, well. look, uh, the the question you've got to ask is, do you do you want him in the midfield? Uh, look, it's a question for another time because he's a long way off that. He's got to make the side first and foremost. Uh, he's got a little knee niggle as well that he needs to work through. Um, let's just get him in the team, um, you, you know, uh, and get him settled first uh, before we start pushing him into the mids. Absolutely. Um. So yeah, I think uh, the only the only question I've got probably, and I don't want to get into ne- into our first round team too much, Mac, um, because I'd like us to spend a bit of time on that next week. But I'm interested in your thoughts on who comes in for um, Big Riley, uh, because he's a definite non-starter for round one. Are you going to go the tried and true Big Easy, or are you going to go with Burjo? <laughs> well. It, it's an interesting question, isn't it? Because uh, I don't think it's a question. Well, I would actually, well, you know, you'd say Himmelberg should have the advantage, but if you go by his preseason game, but admittedly he's playing in the back line. I, I, look, personally, I would if, we, if they're going to, if it's out of those two, if that's the way they're going to structure, and I'm not saying they're going to structure that way, but if they do, I'd go for Burgess. Yeah, I'm a I'm a Burgess. A few people in the chat saying Gallant. If we picked Gallant, we don't have a second ruck. Um, and I know it's not the Beal and end all, but I think O'Brien does need a chop out. Um, so I, I would be giving Burgess a, a run. I like the way he marks the ball. I like the way he attacks the ball in the air. Um, to me, you know, I you know, Macca, I've I've been an Elliot Himmelberg backer for a long time. But I've just been so disappointed over the last two years that he just hasn't been able to take his intensity up a level because I think he's actually for a big fella he's got a lot of good uh, a lot of good traits uh, he's got good skill he's I think he's got a really good football brain he's quite calm uh, with ball in hand but he just he just lacks that intensity doesn't he and I think. In today's game, in the modern game, you have to be a hundred percent intense. I don't even well, know whether it's laziness. I think it's intensity, to be honest with you. He's certainly not intense enough. I agree with that. And no, I, I don't think he's lazy. I don't, I don't think he's just got it in him to be uh, motivated at all costs, type of thing. Um, yeah, he just looked. Don't they call him the Big Easy? Is that right? Yeah, I, I don't, and like some people are just like that, right? I don't think it's because he's not trying. I don't think it's because in his head he can't be bothered or any of that sort of rubbish. But some people are just more intense than others. 
And Barney Magic, so are my words. I was going to say laconic. He's a laconic type player. Yeah, well, that's that's the word we used last week. Um, you know, and he is that type of player. And some players can get away with it. D. Jarman could get away with being a laconic player. You know, D. Jarman did everything at half half speed to everyone else because he saw the game so well. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but but um, you know, Big Elliot. I, he he could he could he's got everything going for him except for that everything going and I, I'm really disappointed for him because I, I don't I think this might be his last season with us, um, and uh, it's a, it's a shame. Yeah, I was quite surprised that we didn't trade him. I really was. Yeah, well, I mean. With Burgess coming in, you'd sort of thought maybe you might, but uh, maybe we were just a little bit concerned, or maybe there was no reason to um, to drop him off under the like, given what else we had. But yeah, I look. So I mean, I think they're obviously trying him down back I, again. I don't think he has a, the intensity to be a defender, and Mac, maybe that's why they kept him on because of Nick Murray, right? I think that's probably the only reason. That could be yeah. the only reason because there's no other logic for it. Yeah. So, yeah, Burgess for mine. Uh, I don't think they'll look at Kieran Strawn. I think he's, I mean, he's he does well when he comes into the ones, but uh, I don't think he's the type of player that they'd be looking for to replace Riley Thilthorpe. Um, so I think it'll be Burgess um, that'll come in. Uh, against his, his ex-Gold Coast, didn't he? So it'll be against his old club, right? Mm, that's that's where he came from, it, but the, the, we start we played uh, with twenty five players on the weekend. It goes yep. back to twenty three, so you know there'll be two more drop out, and that's in plus still thought going out. Well, one so, will be Riley, the other one will be McHenry. You'd say. Well, Riley, no, there's got to be uh, it'll be Hamill. Hamill will go out. Oh, McHenry sorry, will... and Hamill. Yeah, Mc, yeah, McHenry and Hamill, they'll replace Thilthorpe, obviously. And Thilthorpe is an extra one going out, so that's the one to get replaced. And Yeah. Um, yeah and we think Burgess. But uh, I also would like to see Keane come in. I, I have great uh, raps on Keane. I really think he is going to be a very, very good player down back. He, I thought when he, when he took over last year, he was very good. And... To me, I prefer him there rather than Borlo's. Oh well, I yeah, no question about that, Macca. But I don't know whether whether Keeney's right yet. Did he get a crack in the jaw eventually, or was it just concussion? Just concussion. Yeah. So if he's right to go, and there's no reason to think he won't, then he would come in for Borlo's. You would think. Um, I hope so because. Um, uh, ball laser's disposal was horrible in the in the, in the early uh, early parts of the game. I mean, he, he he didn't go badly. He didn't go badly, but he is to me the weak link down back. He's the one that if I was an opposition coach, he'd be the one I'd be making sure I had somebody on him that he couldn't handle. Because yeah, you'd, be you'd a, try and you'd try and tunnel through funnel through ball laser's opponent, wouldn't you? He, look, he's just yeah. a good honest player. He's probably a bit of a tweener. Um, he lacks pace, uh, tries very hard, excellent SANFL player. 
would he get on another list? I'm not sure whether he would. Maybe his insurance, but I don't think he'll ever be a twenty best twenty two player at AFL level. The opportunity was there because we delisted him, and then we took him up in the uh, uh, rookie draft. So I mean, the he could have been grabbed by Port Adelaide if they wanted him. Uh, That's right. Nobody yeah, wanted so, him. So, so look, I I don't think he's a bad player. He he's an excellent like he was an excellent player at Sturt, and I was glad that we picked him up when we did. But he just hasn't come on. He's probably not the right size for the type of player that he is. Um, and seems to lack endurance uh, as well, um, mm. which is interesting because he's built built like a brick shit house. But, um, yeah, so, you know, probably, I, you know, I don't even think he's fringe. I think his insurance is, is the type of guy that you keep on your list for events such as um, Keane getting injured, in my opinion. Exactly. And I think, you know, Keane coming in and you've got um, you've got Geordie Butts now back in as well, I think it makes our defence a little bit better in terms of our matchups. Yeah, you've still got Worrell, you've still got uh, uh, Michael Lanny as well. So it, it, it does make the defence look pretty strong. Yeah, and, uh, you know, looking crystal balling a little bit, but it'll be interesting to see because we obviously played with the Butts-Murray combination uh, predominantly last year when they were both fit, um, and Keane coming in to cover that. Um, when Nick ends up being fit again, it'll be interesting to see what they do there. Yeah, well, we shall see. Might be one too many. Anyway, look... Well, um, it could be, exactly. It could be. Um, so I'll throw open the chat if anyone wants to have uh, something to say um, because I don't think there's too much else that we can talk about, Mac. I'll throw a couple at you. What do you think of Peddler's game? Uh, Quiet-ish. Quiet-ish. I think, you know, uh, a little bit of reconfiguration through the middle with Sam Berry having, uh, what do you have, about 12 or 13, 10 about to um, so I think that affected Luke's ability to it get did. into the game. It did, but yeah. but I think it, like I just he's just a bloody gun as far as I'm concerned. I'm a massive fan, so not in any danger, and I'm not worried about his form or anything like that. He played quite well the previous week. Yeah, the, the interesting thing, as you said, but, uh, Barry was basically taking his opportunity into go in the middle. I saw him in the middle probably once or twice. I, I can't remember seeing him in there a lot. Um, so basically he was on a you know, half-forward flank, and that can be starvation, uh, playing on a half-forward flank. So well, that's he, right, yeah. He, he did some, look, he did some few nice things, um, and I'm sure he's going to be a very good player for us all year, but it was just one, one of those games that he didn't actually get quite into it, and he did had moments, but that was it. Agreed. Uh, now one... we've got, hang on, we've got Arab Crow joining us, Mac. And uh, we know that Arab always uh, brings some sense and rationality to the to proceedings. How are you going, mate? Not always. Arab, <laughs> how are you going, mate? Good, good. How are you guys going? It's good to have the cast back. It's actually quite, like, refreshing, you know what I mean? Like, hearing you guys talk and all that. So yeah. I've been looking forward to it. It's Thanks nice. very much, mate. Yeah. Very kind of you, mate. Thank you. I'm just here to ask you a question. Do you see, um, for me personally, I'm worried about the game plan. It just feels like it's very one-dimensional. 
and that hasn't really changed. Like, I feel like we don't can't really alter the way we play that much. I know it was against uh, um, West Coast, but even then, they should have tried different things in the way we play, different structures. The only thing that was like completely different was the midfield and the rotations we had in there. It just seemed a bit more dynamic, but there wasn't really much like change the forward line or the back line structure or how we defend. It just felt same, same. So I'm just wondering what you guys thought of that. Mate? Well, he's right. He is right um, in the sense that that we certainly mixed it up in the midfield because uh, when we look at the number of players we ran through, there would have been six or seven uh, players at least in the end. So you, you're right. We get you know we gave the midfield a good workout. Um, half forward, well, as I say, Pedal was stuck there for quite a lot of the game. Um, and Keys, well, Keys, he plays his role, which is to play everywhere on uh, from the half forward flank. So uh, that didn't change either. So you're quite right. There was there was nothing different up forward, uh, and down back there was nothing special down back either. So you you are right. But then again, if I think you know, if you're the coach and you think you've got a, something pretty well right. I don't think you mess around with it in the last game before, last practice game, um, before the first game of the year. That's not the time to mess around and to do trials. I think, you know, you do them uh, privately in your training sessions. You might do it in the, in like an in pre-season trial, uh, but not not this last one. This is this is not this wasn't the game to do things that very very differently. Mm. Well, I think our um, I think our transition um, has improved uh, a little bit. Uh, I, you know, Richmond Oval is a pretty small ground. It looked pretty congested, if you ask me. Um, it's hard to to you know try too much because it's just not a ground that you can. You've got the space to be creative. It's a it, it's a fairly in tight sort of a game there. Um, you know, I, I I see us trying to change lanes. I see us kicking it, kicking it uh, into into the the uh, corridor a bit, which I like. Um, I mean, at at this stage, I don't I don't really think it's a concern. I'd I'd be interested to see what sort of style we play come round one, because I think a lot of the game plan stuff is probably done these days behind closed doors in match sim, mate. Yeah, I think so. Particularly if you're going to do something that's slightly different. Mm. And one more thing is, um, speaking of Fog, uh, Fogarty, I heard you guys earlier, I just want to add one more thing is, um, I just I think the problem with him is that we are playing him, trying to play him as a half forward, and while he's not, he does not have the body build for it. Like He's just that run-up, market, kick it kind of player. We can't expect him to be like a text where he will um, get like 10 disposals, 15 disposals. I think he's just one of those players where like an average he would kick like your one or two goals, three goals, and that's it. And unfortunately, that's just the kind of player he is. Like, yeah, I don't know about you guys, but even when I see him run, he's just like runs like a fat person, to be honest with you. Just like wobbling oh, hey. place, you know? No, <laughs> I disagree with that. I, I, I think when he does lead up uh, Arab, 
Um, he, he is quite good as a connector, uh, playing high. I think half the time, his problems are more when he is deep in the forward line because I don't think he's got the space to run into because generally that's where Tex is running. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> that's my uh, I, think... I don't know. Yeah, uh, yeah, no, but... Go on, mate. Look, I've got to say that uh, partly uh, is what Arab is saying is right, but um, the way they the way it is structured is is that uh, you've got uh, the tall like Phil Thorpe hanging around the square is supposed to take the marks, like anything like the contested high ball, um, and Fogarty if if that opportunity uh, presents itself. But if Fogarty wants to get a lot of the ball, he actually has to make a lead that's even better than what Tex is offering. I mean, cause, and that will happen when it should happen. I mean, Tex can't be in the right spot every time. There's a many, many a time when the ball's coming in from different angles where... If Fogarty got on his bike and made the lead, uh, they can give the ball to him. And, he, and that did happen a couple of times. I can remember one very nice lead he made. But um, I don't think he made enough leads overall. And it's work rate. It just comes back to what we were saying before about work rate. He's a lazy player, and I think he let himself down by not working hard enough. Yeah. Good know. to hear your voice as always, Arab. Uh, thank you, guys. Uh, nice to have you back, mate. Anyone else want to have a chat? You've got about five minutes uh, if you've got something to say. Uh, if you aren't on our Discord and you're thinking, how the hell did that guy just get onto the bloody podcast? Um, links are in all our descriptions for our Discord channel. It's an excellent place to share your opinions, both on game day, during the live stream, and also during the week. Uh, we have some pretty lively uh, chat as the season goes on so get around it uh the link's in the description or um on all our social profiles so uh come in and uh then you can join the live show chat and come on and do what arab just did and talk bloody sense because god knows macca sometimes we struggle yeah we well we do at times um i'm looking at uh, vardy magic when are you coming on vardy no, he won't. He just won't do it. Well, he should. I mean, he, he's no. He's he's I'd... protecting. He's protect. I I actually think he's the. I th I think he's actually the prime minister of Australia because he's he's got this bloody identity that he wants to check uh, that he wants to protect, and uh, I'm not going to push him anymore because that's his prerogative. Um, well, I'm not but asking, it's a sh I'm not, I'm not asking him to bury his bum on TV or something like that. I'm just asking the guy to come and talk. He must have a distinctive voice. Maybe it's Graham Corns. Maybe, maybe, Vardy, you don't talk like this in a high voice or something. <laughs> yeah, well, see, Vardy, now you can actually, you know, just chuck your voice through an AI generator and then you can be anyone you want to be. You can talk like, you can talk like Albo, mate. You can talk like Albo. No, look, we like having Vardy in the chat because the thing about having Vardy in the chat is that he just comes up with the right stat at the right time, Mac. He does. And you can no, just, you can just have an eye on the chat and you can, oh, thanks, Vardy. <laughs> and then it makes us look smart because Vardy's given us, he's, he's like, um, you know, in the cricket commentary where you got the guy in the background just feeding all the stats to the yeah, commentators to make them look smart. 
that's Vardy to us, and we really appreciate lot, him here. Yeah, I've seen a lot of his stuff. <laughs> so we've got the week off next week um which is good um there is a family day now when's the family day can someone tell uh, me i can't i can't look it up i think there's a family day coming up maybe on the next weekend i think wasn't it? oh oh was that weekend? yesterday was it well yeah, shit, I, I missed that didn't i it was no, and it was an excellent, excellent idea too, because they encouraged uh, kids to come along, and, and they also got uh, kids to present jumpers and all that sort of stuff. So, fantastic! Um, yeah, actually, it incorporated a lot of the ideas that I actually put in my suggestion to them, which won me a crow's sign, Guernsey, mate. So I was very pleased with that. How many things do you not win? Uh, like, is your house it. just adorned with like Sammy's freaking seafood vouchers that you haven't had a chance to use yet, and they like, signed Guernseys and I've, I've like, got five seriously, mate. I've got five vouchers to use at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> oh, mate, it's hilarious. You just win everything, and like it's as if you talk sense. I I can't work it out. Yeah, but don't forget, I'm talking to Rowie. Yeah, well, that's true. That's true. Look, all right, mate, we might leave it, I think, because uh, we've had a good discussion um, and we've got the week's break coming up and then, of course, we're into, well, how stupid is this? We're not actually into round one. We're into round zero because we're playing one of these silly first week games that I can't understand why they're doing it. I think it's a moment. Look, I can understand why they're doing it, though, because they're trying to have a crack at the, uh, while there's an opportunity to, to have a crack at the NFL people up there in Sydney and uh, Queensland. But to me, you know, I I just think it's bloody stupid to have an opening round and then a round one. It's just, you have either, look, they could have had those games and had the other games uh, down uh, in Melbourne or Adelaide or wherever. I think it's bloody stupid. Yeah, it's a bit weird, but. You know, that's our new opera. What what is she? Um, uh, football operations? No, the football operations person. Oh, okay, yep, yep, yep. I know who so, you mean. And obviously Andy Dillon as well. I yeah. Um. Oh, by the way, what did you think? What do you think of the new ruck interpretation? The blocking interpretation. It suits somebody like Riley O'Brien, who's physically strong, who can't get off the ground very high. Um, so um, it, it's going to work for him. Um, it's not going to work too well for some of the the uh, thinner, less stronger ones. So I don't actually think it's right, to be honest. I think, again, it's probably in the, there that to prevent body clashes and injuries. Uh, but to me, it just... It doesn't make sense that you can actually just push somebody away and then win in a ruck contest. Well, the only one thing you have, you have to be have your eyes on the ball when you do it. That's the one thing. Yeah, so it doesn't allow you just to take take the space away from another person with your hands. Um, and to be honest with you, I'm not disappointed about the uh, the knee rule because I think there's just too, it's it's too much. Uh, uh, too much injury associated with that, like clash of knees or you know whatever. Uh, so I'm not disappointed about that. 
I, I just think they should have gone the whole hog and not allowed the hands as well. I think it should be a straight up, straight up run and jump, you know, without any contact between the ruckman. That, that's what we had the centre line in the circle for, remember? So yep. that the ruckman didn't interact, they just ran at the ball and they seem to have lost sight of that. Totally. I mean, that what, yeah. I remember when they first put that line in, players would be going on all different angles trying to work out how they could get an advantage. And But it wasn't, it certainly stopped the uh, front on clashes because players were coming from sides and all that type of thing. But yeah. uh, you, you're quite right, though. The, the, the clashing of need for Ruckman is, is bloody horrific in the sense that if they, they can actually lose, well, be put out of the game altogether with the, yeah. if they get hit in the wrong spot. So I think yeah. it's a good thing to remove that. Um, but it does seem strange that you can actually push somebody away to get the ball like that but oh, yeah so we'll it. see how it pans out it may well it'll, uh, it'll be reinterpreted 17 times before the end of the season yeah it'll work well for o'brien no doubt about that it'll work well for him yeah now all he's got to do is tap at the right spots oh that's another thing <laughs> <laughs> um and last thing a couple of people on the chat talking about the uh the the bump uh who was it um webster did you see oh, that? Oh, yeah. Look, it 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 is actually worse than uh, uh, Sam Power Peppers. Uh, it's the guy's actually kicked the ball, and then he's taken off and and into his head. I mean, he's actually yeah. disposed of the ball before he's launched. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and I think he can't get away with four. He's got to be five or six. I, I think it'll be six. What possesses a player to do that, Mac? I mean, well, I what possesses I a player? I mean, Power Peppers, I had this discussion with, with Cam, my eldest, today, and he reckons it was a bit overblown, the Power Pepper one. But the, you can't argue about this one. This one was just a dead set snipe, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, well, look, you, the Power Pepper one, you can't argue that one either, because actually, if you do play, play frame by frame, you can see him lean his shoulder into his head, but that's, uh, that's over in history. That's four weeks. This one's going to be worse than that because it's not even really in play. The ball has gone, and he's the launched gone, and, smashed, yeah. and he smashed him in the head. Just smashed him in the head. He, he's jumped up to hit him in the head. It's, well, I just don't understand why a player does that. What possesses a player in the modern age, modern game of footy? What possesses a player? I can I can see how Power Pepper gets himself into a situation and decides, well, I'm going to bump him. Like wrong yeah. decision, but I can see how that happens, right? But yeah. that one today, yeah. I don't, I don't. That one, sorry, the Webster one, that that is just an utter, utter snipe, as far as I'm concerned. Yes, I, I uh, plain filth, plain filth, and uh, I don't think they'll be going by any guidelines. I'll be just looking at it as an incident, um, and the look of the incident, and the result of the incident and what it means for the look of the game, and I think he's going to really get a big one. I mean, I, I think he's got to get a minimum of six, uh, but it wouldn't surprise me if they, even if they went eight. But, you know, it's certainly got to go at least six, I think. Well, I think they were relatively strong with Power Pepper. I was happy that they gave four, even though I thought it, was, it could have gone more. But four sends a message, like, we're not going to put up with this shit. But this one, this one... If you're giving Power Pepper four, you've got to give Webster eight, in my view, because I think it was double, 
like in terms of um, you know flouting the rules and all the rest of it, it was double strength as far as I'm concerned. So should get double the penalty. No questions asked. Um, no ifs buts. And if I was St Kilda, I wouldn't be appealing it either. I'd be making the making the player because see this is what these clubs have got to realise that if they they can get around their player and support him absolutely, but if they condone that sort of stuff or if they can try to defend that sort of stuff at the tribunal what they're basically saying to their players is that you know we're giving you a certain amount of license and that's going to come back one day someone from St Kilda is going to get hit like that if the if we're going to stamp out this stuff I think not only is it the tribunal's responsibility but it's also the club's responsibility Macca 100% agree with that 100% because it it hurts the team in the sense that that player is going to be now he's going to be gone for six to eight games, and and you know, I don't, I don't, you know he at least plays a real relatively important part in their game, and now that means that they're going to put a lesser player in his role. So it does hurt the team. So do the clubs get a bit of a let off because the employer is essentially the AFL here? Because like. The, the, I've been thinking about this a bit over the last 24 hours and to my mind the the, the club as I, as I said the clubs try like I understand you go you go to a, a judicial system like the tribunal you're putting a case to get the least amount of um, least amount of sanction right I get I get that I can understand that that's how the legal process works in any situation but to me, the clubs aren't doing anything to assist in the avoidance of head high contact in my opinion i think it's all the the afl holds all the liability because they're contractually they're the employer they're the ones that have got to provide the safe workplace etc 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 and you know i do think that these players need to accept a certain amount of risk inherent with playing a contact sport but stuff like what Webster did, I want St Kilda to come out and make a statement to say that what he did was unacceptable. I don't, I don't want them to defend. I don't want them to defend him because there, there's no defence to what Webster did. There's no defence, and I would prefer that St Kilda came out and made a statement. Yeah, look, I, I totally agree with you. There is no defence. There's none, none whatsoever. So. Um, what what do you think the club should come out and say that he has uh, let himself and the club down with his actions? Oh, I just think that the the club should should say we don't condone that that kind of action on the football field. We don't want that happening to one of our players, and we don't want it to happen to any of our players on uh, uh, any of the players on the field. You know, every every club I think has got a past player that's probably suffering as a consequence of multiple concussions. And it's only been recently that we've started to understand the repercussions. I mean, look at poor Paul Seedsman. Uh, you know, we had Brent Riley as well. You know, we've had players, uh, Sam... Um, oh, was it Sam Shaw also? Yeah, yeah. Uh, we've had a few. We've had a few, and every club's had a few, right? But Angus Brayshaw had his, has, had his career cut short, and whilst I don't think that was Brayden Brayden Maynard's fault... You know, he Brayshaw's come up through a system and he's got a lot of concussions that have led to that 
relatively minor incident with Brayshaw, uh, with Maynard being the end of his career. If the clubs don't ta- start taking responsibility, then how can they look at their past players, some of whom are going to suffer from CTE, some of whom are going to suffer from ongoing consequences of of uh, concussion? How can they look those past players in the face and saying, we're doing the, everything we can to protect you and support you? Everything you say is no, everything you say 100% right. But if I had a football club, you know, if I was a, the boss of the football club, um, I would say that um, that we're disappointed with the with his action, and he will obviously pay the uh, the price for that. And however, uh, we will support him, and in the sense of his own welfare, and uh, and also uh, education to be sure that, that he doesn't repeat that type of action. I think Mate, the that's club... a, that's the wokest thing I've ever heard you say. I know it's puffy, but um, what I'm saying is you've got to say puffy. something that's... Puffy. Well, what the hell is puffy? Well, it means all soft, you know, sort of thing. But, no, it, uh, do- no it doesn't. It's not a word we use, Macca. Take that back. All right, I can take, take that back. Take that back. We don't use I'll... that word. It's not appropriate. Okay, I've taken it back three times now, so I can't take it back again. One um, more for good luck. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I've taken it back for the fourth bloody time. Um, it's what can I say? It's weak, <laughs> weak as dishwater. It's weak as dishwater. Um, I, I just Correct. think the club, the club has to say, even though it's weak as dishwater, they've got to say something that actually says the boy, the bloke did wrong, but we'll uh, support him to the to the extent that yes, he has to pay the price, but we'll help educate him to do the right thing type of thing. You've got to say something like that. Why? Well, otherwise it means that like it would, a player would feel like, I know he's done wrong, but he's been playing in their guarantee for them. And the player would feel like they've just grabbed him and just thrown him out and said, you know, just chucked him out. I, I, I just think you just can't do that thing. I think there are certain there are certain times when a person has to take responsibility for their own actions and they can't expect for a club to just wrap their arms around them just because they're wearing the Guernsey, right? Because when they wear the Guernsey, they, there's a certain level of um, behaviour, I guess, that, that is expected, right? And... I know that footy's a contact sport and I'm all about the contact. I love the contact. I Like, the game has been far too sanitised. But when I see sniping like that, that was a premeditated action that has been out of the game for as long as I can remember and you've got a bloke that has made a decision in a pre-season game to take a bloke out like that. And let's face it, that's what he did. He took the bloke out, Macca. Oh, he did. Con- and and the most one of the, one of the one of the most defenceless times as a footballer that you have is directly after you've kicked the ball. You're completely Correct. open, right? You're completely open. It was probably one of the things uh, against Maynard in that Brayshaw thing, although there were other things. But whatever. I I think there comes a point where a player has to take responsibility for his own actions, and I think the club needs to be strong enough 
to say no we don't condone that like it's the same as if someone gets done taking performance enhancing drugs what are you going to say oh you know he did the wrong thing but we're going to support him well why should you support him the guy intentionally made a a a decision that was in direct contravention of not only club policy and football rules but also another bloke's safety yeah they've all got an obligation to each other on the field and that guy took advantage of of a bloke being vulnerable and took him out i agree 100 percent Port Adelaide uh, supported uh, Sam Powell Pepper. Yeah, but I I think there's a, there's a clear difference between what Pepper did, Powell Pepper did, and what Webster did. Powell Pepper got still, uh, was still he was he he was in the play, and he made a poor decision. Right, this one, like you said, the ball had gone, the ball had gone right and yeah, webster yeah. has taken him out oh, he's got no he's got no defense whatsoever i agree so with that's that. I, I think there is like you know you i mean port didn't come out and say we support power pepper they just defended him at the tribunal right but they didn't appeal the four games and all the rest of it so they accept it um i would have you know i think all i'm saying is when you've got to play like the brochure thing is a big deal as far as i'm concerned and we've had the the lad from sydney as well um, who had to retire early after multiple concussions, and watching him struggle whenever he got an innocuous hit. Like Tom Lynch is another one. I remember after his concussion, every time he got he got bumped, he'd, he'd look rattled. You know, Will Hamill's another. We've got another situation yeah. with him. We've got Paul Seedsman, you know. Yeah. I think the time has come. If we are dead set serious, if we are dead set serious about a player's duty of care, there's always going to be accidental and incidental head knocks, Macca. There's always going to be that, and I don't want to sanitise the game to the extent that we're playing touch football. And I think of a bloke that signs up to play Aussie rules at any level accepts a certain amount of risk. What I don't think that person accepts is being shirt-fronted when he's completely open, like what happened on the weekend. Oh, that should never happen to a player. It should not happen. I, 100%. Um, you know, it, things like what Power Pepper did, I, I think that's within the boundaries of what can happen, uh, an acceptable risk. Power Pepper made know, a bad decision. You, you're being kind. He made a bad decision. I'm being a little bit kind to him, but I, I think Power Peppers was still in play, so it was more of a, a split-second decision and he made the wrong one, right? Made the wrong one. It's the same thing as is the same thing as um, the sling tackle. Get, taking the sling tackle out of the game has taken time because it's a natural instinct for a bloke to tackle a bloke to the ground. But you know, in order to avoid that head-on-ground contact, we've got to take it out. I, I, Sam Berry is going to have to be really careful with the way he tackles. I've seen him bring a couple of blokes down and be quite lucky that they haven't hit their heads because otherwise he'll he'll do matches I, but I'm talking the about the I'm yeah I'm talking about the the intentional snipe macker the intentional snipe the 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 absolute unnecessary uh, totally avoidable intentional snipe look he's got no he's got no excuses in the world uh, and I know that 
um, he will argue that he'd made up his mind to launch into him before while well, he had the ball and and the time the time lag was very short, etc. etc. But having said that, he shouldn't have been doing even if he if, if the guy had the ball, he shouldn't have been doing what he did. He left the ground, didn't he? He left the ground. He left into he left he into left the, the ground. ground. Because his, his shoulder belted the guy in the head. So, so had, how, how long has leaving the ground to bump been like a, a no-no in Aussie rules football? For, oh, forever. So he can't even argue that because the bump itself was illegal. Take the timing out of the equation. The bump itself was illegal. He left the ground, leapt into him, right? So it was illegal. And then you you bring the timing into it. And it's just it. I'm sorry, but it's unforgivable, unforgivable. You know, and one of these days, one of these days, Macca, if we're not careful, and it shocks me that it hasn't happened already, but one of these days, a bloke is going to cop an elbow to the head, and he's not going to get up, and we're going to have a Phil Hughes situation. I know uh, that that is the danger. That is the danger. You know, 100%. and I think. I think it is inherent not only on the AFL but also on the clubs to draw a line with their own players, with their own players, and say, if you do this, we will not support you. Well, I think you put that on the table, you put that on the table and say, we want to play hard, we want to play fair, there is a line, and if you cross that line, we will not support you. Look, I think that's that's an excellent idea. Uh, because what the clubs do, they do come out and support them, even when they've done wrong. But I reckon that you're 100% right. It should be policy that uh, when it's something like that, the club doesn't come out and support. The player takes his punishment on his own. They, you know, they can give him a, uh, the club can give him a, a representative, etc., and all that to help him. But by the same token, uh, we don't want any uh, public statement from the club supporting the player. That's right. I, I do agree with that. But but as it is, I mean, he, every time somebody smashes into somebody, he said that the club supports them and they, they didn't see it happen. Or this, What gets me is they didn't see it happen. I mean, God, how many replays did they, did they miss then? Um, yeah. Look, they're, I, they're, I treating people like, they're treating people like dickheads, right? They are. And as I, as I said in the chat, they roll out lawyers and all that to help them. But yeah. uh, by the and, same token, that, that, I think it has got to that stage, Fiend, that one day somebody will go down and, you know, it, it only just needs uh, a knock in the, right, in the right place. We saw that happen in the cricket field. Yep. And, and, some, and somebody will die. Yep. And you don't want to see it. I, I just don't want to see it. And so I don't want to labour it any further. That's my opinion. Um, and, uh, you know, I hope that the clubs take a, a stronger stance. Um, B Packer in the chat asking the name around one team. That's what next week's episode is going to be all about. So for those of you who have joined us on YouTube for the first time or you're not a subscriber yet, please get it, give us a subscribe and a like and chuck the notifications on. We're on every Sunday night. Um, but uh, subscribing will get us into the algorithm a little bit more, so we really appreciate your support on that one. As I mentioned earlier, Macker, if you're not on Discord and uh, 
you're thinking uh, that you want to get involved in a really solid footy community, we've got how many people we've got on Discord these days, Mac? We've got uh, 364 members on Discord now. That's amazing. So, um, and we'd love to have we'd love to have more. There's always good chat. Uh, there's always good banter during the games. There's always good banter and, and excellent chat uh, during the uh, live stream. So uh, the links for those are in the uh, descriptions of all our um, our socials. And as I mentioned last week, um, as you can see down here, there's lots of opportunities for your logo to appear on the podcast so if you are inclined to want to sponsor the the uh, crowcast um there's plenty of opportunities there's also uh, ad spots in the audio as well so uh you get good bang for your buck so uh i'd be pleased for anyone who has a business uh, and wants to support the crowcast to give me an email at sponsorship.aflcrowcast.com we're done, Macca, I reckon. We're done. And we still managed to bloody stretch it out to an hour and a half <laughs> with that with that last uh, last topic. Yep. Well, it was interesting. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks, everyone, for joining us. Uh, thanks, everyone, on uh, Twitter, Facebook, and, of course, YouTube. We will be back uh, to preview round one next week at 8.30 on Sunday night. Until then, stay safe, be good, and have fun. Yeah.